and welcome back to Our American Queen. I'm Emily. And I'm Erin. And this week we are going to reminisce, talk through, you know, our thoughts and our feelings about the one year anniversary of Taylor's first surprise album, Folklore. Yeah, and it's crazy that we have to clarify it's her first surprise album because obviously she had a second one a few months later. But Folklore is the one that started it all. It's a very monumental point in Taylor's career, and it pretty much shifted her persona and her music style. Yeah, we're going to get into all of that this week. Okay, Erin, I think we've gone through this before, but what was your reaction the morning that you found out Taylor was dropping a surprise album that night? I was honestly very shocked of course. Uh, I think I found out like right when I had woken up because she posted it in the morning. So it was like the first thing I woke up to. Maybe I wasn't like fully awake yet. And I was just completely like just so confused. Like what? She has an album dropping tonight, like at midnight. It's happening today. Like that's crazy. That's so unlike her. And yeah, it was just like a state of shock, honestly. And excitement. Yeah, because prior to that point, we'd only known Taylor to do huge rollouts. Mm-hmm. For and her Lover albums. had just come out that previous summer. So it yeah, wasn't even a year. year. Yes. So I was like, this is crazy. Like, she just had an album come out last year. It's not even been a year. And you're telling me she already has an album coming out tonight? It honestly felt like a dream. It yeah. really did. Um, yeah, because. Taylor has always had huge rollouts and huge eras that's kind of defined her career. Um, Especially the peak of that would probably probably be 1989 with that huge rollout Mm -hmm. and huge um, wait until the album. That's another thing. Like, she would always have pretty long waits. Yeah. But with this, it was just an instant gratification of her being like, oh, it's tonight, you don't have to wait. I know, that was crazy. And then I think she posted the track list like a few hours later after she announced it, No, it it was right with the announcement. Oh, it was right with the announcement? Yeah, Yeah. so I remember reading over the track list and I was like getting so excited because the songs were so intriguing to me. I remember The Last Great American Dynasty was the one that really intrigued me the most it sounded very interesting so it was fun it was fun to kind of speculate what the songs would be like and then yeah like you said just have that instant gratification that instant knowing what it'll be like just in 24 not even 24 hours yeah and just I think just days prior to folklore being announced we were you know getting the our podcast settled and starting to plan that Mm -hmm. so it was so crazy to be like wow okay so we have a new album as we are starting our yeah the timing worked out very well (laughs) so let's just talk about how folklore has shifted taylor's career because prior to folklore she had been doing mostly pop music Mm -hmm. and why do you think there was this huge shift from say an album like lover which was so bright and poppy to folklore which was so stripped back and acoustic and indie yeah i would say the first thing would be whether or not it was like a planned thing for taylor to switch her sound like she says it was just sort of spur of the moment like 
it was music for 2020, music for the pandemic, music for quarantine. But I almost kind of believe that she was sort of eyeing a shift anyway after Lover. And this just happened to be good timing. So I don't know which one of those is true. But I think probably part of her looked at Lover and saw how it didn't perform as well as her other albums. So maybe that was a catalyst for her wanting to switch up her sound a little bit. And then, yeah, maybe just the state of the world made her want to make music that was a little bit more muted, a little bit slower, a little bit more meaningful. Yeah, it's incredible how the pandemic so perfectly, it's, you know, you don't want to say that a pandemic perfectly uh, complemented the album, but just the stripped back nature of it, the fact that during the photo shoot, she did her own makeup and hair, she picked out her own clothes, she was just alone in a field, alone in the forest. I think those images are so beautiful and are going to be Mm -hmm. so iconic. Yeah, and even in like the note in the announcement of Folklore, I remember Taylor said, these these songs are partly stories and they're partly fiction and they're folklore. And I know that a lot of people really enjoyed digging into another world. It was basically like reading a book almost where you're just kind of like analyzing these song lyrics and kind of escaping to another world. And that's, yeah, that's how she described it, escapism. And then that's another way which 2020 was an awful year for everyone. And like the images of her being alone in the field and doing her own hair and makeup and everything, I think the stories that she told in Folklore also perfectly captured and complemented the time in which she released the album. Mm -hmm. Because like you said, it really is. It's like a book or a novel where you're getting lost in it and lost in the stories that she's telling. And she's always been such a talented storyteller, so... This medium is perfect for her, I think, Mm -hmm. to be able to think up characters and arcs, like she says, instead of using um, her diaristic lens that she was doing before. And she also wrote about other people's stories, not her own, that weren't fiction, like in The Last Great American Dynasty. I honestly think that's a very natural transition for her to make as she gets older and is like settling into her life more now because I don't know if she has so much to say about relationships anymore that would make for like relatable music I don't know yeah that's what she said in that Zane Lowe interview that she did in December forevermore Mm -hmm. she said she was like you know I she's been with her boyfriend for a long time now and she was saying how In the past, her music had been diaristic, but she was like, to protect my mental health and to just have fun, and because she's not going to have the same amount of stories and stuff with being with the same person for Mm -hmm. as long as she has been, so she was like, to protect my mental health and to just uh, feed my creativity, I would rather write stories and think of characters and think of character arcs instead of writing about my life. Yeah, and I feel like that's kind of what Lover was for. 
because at that point still she was in a settled relationship, a settled adult relationship. So that's what she wrote about, just feeling secure in your love with this person. And I don't know if she wanted to repeat that again with another album. So instead of doing that, she talked about other or she wrote and sang about other people. Yeah, and I think that is very smart in terms of as she goes forward in her career, like you were saying, because it's a lot more sustainable than Mm -hmm. doing, well, like people like to say all of her breakup songs, you know, and... But it's not necessarily breakup songs, it's just like the ups and downs of a relationship. Yeah, but I'm just saying like, because in the interview with Zane Lowe, she was talking about each with each album came the tabloid trying to guess mm-hmm. who the songs are about and everything but she said with folklore people weren't really doing that as much because she used like other people's stories and she created stories yeah i guess along with this same sentiment i found this quote from a review of folklore on vulture by craig jenkins and he wrote Loose from the responsibility of piquing the audience's interest with a rollout dotted with attention-grabbing gestures, Swift is left with just her feelings and her stories. Mm -hmm. And I loved that line because I think it perfectly describes what we were just talking about. Where in the past, she did do these huge rollouts. She would do attention-grabbing things like, you know, the squad or doing the mural for Lover or Mm -hmm. doing like... Look what you maybe do the music video for Reputation to get that hype going. With this, she just did a very simple photo shoot. She created a stripped back indie sounding album, and she just one day was like, you know what, I'm gonna mm-hmm. drop this album today, tonight. And yeah, I think everybody was always thinking that she would pull a Beyonce and just release it, but we didn't know when. Yeah, I agree. And along that kind of train of thought, I guess a question I could ask is, okay, so Taylor says that she wrote this album in quarantine and then decided to just put it out there. Do you think there was part of her, once Lover came out, that was kind of hoping for the next album to be released in this way? Or do you think it was truly a product of the pandemic and quarantine that she just went for it and released it one day with no warning. Um, With the way that she chases charting and awards, I would say that I don't think she would have dropped it the day of. I think she likes her rollouts and she likes to create hype. Mm -hmm. So I think it was probably a product of the pandemic. Yeah, and I would probably agree because when you think about how When you think about how close it came after Lover, you know, I don't... If she had planned to do that, even without the pandemic, like, that just wouldn't make sense to release an album so soon after you just did one. So, I I agree. Yeah. I think we can transition now just for a few minutes into talking about the music itself and how it's aged in our minds and how we have come to feel about it, I guess. Yeah, it's, honestly, I can say it will be forever an iconic album, I believe. Mm -hmm. I think it'll be one of those albums that future generations will look to as 
kind of a master class in music and mm-hmm. just creating a moment. It's really unbelievable what a cultural what do you want to say like a cultural moment cultural moment i guess yeah Yeah, the cultural moment that it's created even today it's like you say folklore and your mind is just like oh it's like cottage core and black and white and just stripped down and indie Mm -hmm. it's so iconic even now and i think it will continue to be even more iconic as it as the years go on and just all of the images are just so so beautiful Mm -hmm. and just ageless and i think they'll always be really, really iconic. Yeah, I think that's a really good way to describe the album as a whole, just very, very timeless. And, you know, when I listen to music off of folklore, it's true, I really am just transported back to last summer and last year. And I think the music really fit the moment in such a profound way because somehow... Taylor put into words and she put into music like the way we were all feeling you know or not even that but just the comfort of it too like it just fit the moment so well in a way that's like hard to even describe yeah that summer is pre-folklore (laughs) post-folklore in a lot of ways it's just such a it is a very comforting album it just feels I don't know another word to say, but maybe, like, clean. Mm -hmm. It just feels like when I listen to the first piano part of the one, it just feels like a clean slate. It just feels so, I don't know, authentic, and it just feels really good. I love it. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And, yeah, like, the best way I could describe it, I guess, is just it was comforting, you know? Like a cardigan. Yes, (laughs) Yes, <laughs> like you were taking a nice warm cardigan, wrapping yourself in it by a nice fire in the woods. <laughs> yep. And it just felt good. And it's also, I think, maybe we'll get into this topic a little bit more later, but I think it was also satisfying for like intense Taylor fans, Swifties, I guess. Um, Because obviously we know, as fans of Taylor's music, that she has this in her. Like, this did not come as a surprise to anybody who is an avid listener. But it felt really satisfying to actually hear it and actually hear it come to fruition and get all of the critical acclaim and Mm -hmm. all of the accolades. Because, yeah, as fans of hers... Like, we all knew that this was something she was fully capable of, and to see her do it, and to see her do it this well, was just a satisfying feeling, I guess. Yeah. I believe that her writing has always been on par with this album. It's just that we've spoken about this on the podcast before, but when a song is laced with that pop production, it's deemed a little less than than if you have an indie production, which Mm -hmm. is unfortunate, but a lot of you know, more pretentious people, I guess, will like this album because it was worked on by The National and Aaron Desner, Mm -hmm. which is fine, you know. And it was, you know, worked on by Justin Vernon. Um, Yeah, and that's just the way it is for a lot of people. They don't enjoy pop music, but then when there's... But, yeah, but it's, like, always been 
Taylor's gift to mm-hmm. tell stories and to write. So I see what you're saying because I think a lot of people, when they heard it was more of a stripped back album, they decided to give Taylor another look. So. Yeah. And I agree with everything you just said. And at the same time, yes, she has absolutely written songs that are incredible, amazing songwriting. But at the same time, I would say none of her albums have as consistent of such high quality songwriting as this one does. So I can kind of see that aspect of it, as well as the idea that folklore does tackle more mature topics than her previous albums like illicit affairs um yeah i know what you mean this is me trying yeah this is me trying mirror ball like they're more they're more mature topics and so yeah i see kind of both sides of that and taylor dropped her first f-bombs in this album (laughs) (laughs) she cursed a lot in the album she did (laughs) So as we're just about a year out from Folklore, what is your favorite song? Because I feel like at this point, your favorite song is your favorite song, and it probably won't change. I don't know. That's really hard. I It's shifted around a lot. I don't think Invisible String is my favorite still. Okay. I would say probably Cardigan. Oh, okay. Or Seven. Okay. Because those are the ones I, like, constantly go back to, I would say. I would say my favorite is probably still... Because I think when I did the quiz or whatever we did to dis- to determine the order, I believe my favorite was Mirrorball. I'm pretty sure. And it was, it's yeah. still... I would say it still is because... There's just something about that song. I guess I can say, and all right, this will be the next question. I'll answer first because I just thought of it. But which songs hit you in the feels the most when they come on? So for me, it would be Mirror Ball, probably Invisible String, This Is Me Trying, and The One. Uh, like, what do you mean, the feels? I don't know. Like, for me, (laughs) when those songs start playing, I just, like, I'm just in my feels. Like, I just feel a rush of emotion, (laughs) like an indescribable emotion. I don't know. I guess probably Cardigan, Seven, and maybe, like, The One. Because, like I said, like, oh my gosh, the first few piano notes of the one, there's something about it. Yeah, that's that's what I'm talking about. Like, when the first note hits and you just are like, ah, oh, like, there's just this feeling, this emotion. Yeah, because it's, yeah, I remember the night that it came out and we just finished watching the Cardigan music video and then we went to Spotify and we started playing the album and I, I remember the first time hearing those piano notes, and I believe we were both probably crying, and I was like, oh my god. It was god. also midnight, so. Yeah. <laughs> I think, now that I'm actually going through, like, the track list, August might be another one that kind of hits me. Yeah. I forgot about it August, feels, actually. Um, it's just, there. yeah, there's just something about the album, and I guess many other people obviously feel the same way. That there's just something about the album. And I, like I said earlier, I can't even put it into words, but 
when you listen to it, you really are just transported back to last year and back to all the emotions that we were all feeling at the time. Just not a great year, to say the least, but the moments that were good, I feel like it was a soundtrack for those. Yeah, I think it'll always stand as a time capsule for 2020. And it's just so beautifully written. It has beautiful instrumentation. Mm -hmm. Um, The production is really great. It's very timeless. Yeah, I think that's a great way to describe it. With that said, we're going to shift gears now a little bit and talk about the album as it affected Taylor's career thus far and her reputation, just her public persona, because the way I see it, and I think the way you see it, Emily, is that it really had a huge impact on Taylor's reputation and her career. Going back to our conversation earlier when we were talking about what she was going to do after Lover, I think because of the reception of Lover and some people in the media and just critics saying that it was kind of immature for her age and, you know, people called it a flop. It wasn't. I think she was always really going to shift gears after Lover Mm -hmm. in some way. I don't know what genre, but we know that she loves to play around with different genres. Mm -hmm. That's kind of her thing. Yeah, I think just because as she was getting a little older and more mature, she was going to do a different genre. So this fit perfectly to do an indie album where she could really let her songwriting shine and kind of get away from the bullshit of the media and all the guessing games, you know, about who the songs are about. I think it's good for her to get away from that. We know to this day it still bothers her with the Ginny and Georgia tweet that she did a few months ago. She's still bothered by people talking about her dating life. Mm -hmm. So this is just a natural thing for her, I think, to get away from that. And we've mentioned it a few times, but on SNL, on that driver's license sketch, where they were talking about her songwriting and folklore and not her personal life. I think that's Mm -hmm. the lane that she's trying to carve out for herself to be known not for her personal life because she's insanely private now but for her work and her songwriting and I think this album really carved out a nice niche for her and I mm-hmm. think she'll continue to do these kind of albums maybe not as stripped back like I could definitely see a pop album where it's a little less autobiographical but yeah I think this is her new lane where she wants to be known strictly for her work and her songwriting uh, as opposed to her personal life as we see her completely pulling back from social media and interviews and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And I think probably just the stars all aligned. Like, I don't know if it was her explicit intention to make an album and to have it roll out be such that it had nothing to do with her personal life. Well, I shouldn't say that because there is the whole William Bowery thing. Which does tie into her personal life. Oh yeah, we should actually touch on that. um, Anywho, we could get to that later. And the Long Pond Sessions, which I also thought about. And the Grammy. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But anyway, back to this. Um, Yeah, I think she definitely wanted to make an album 
where the focus would be on the music, the music itself, not on her as a person, as a brand, as a public figure. But I don't know if she expected it to go so perfectly because it really did. Like, I don't think it could have gone any better for her, the way in which the public reacted, the way in which it was covered by the media. It must have been so satisfying for her to see people actually focusing on the album itself, to see them focusing on the lyrics, on the music, and appreciating her artistry. Yeah. I think that's all she really could ever want. And that really does change her reputation if we're going to get in, switch into that. I think this album completely changed her reputation, in the media at least. Mm-hmm. It's night and day about how they covered folklore as opposed to lover even lover like getting into her personal life with joe and everything Mm -hmm. with this it was really really about the music and her talent and her songwriting which i think is great and really good step in the right direction it's really funny to me like i just kind of thought of this right now but i don't want to say that during the lover era taylor was irrelevant because that's not true however i feel like she was more irrelevant than with other album cycles so what i'm saying with the juxtaposition is with 1989 she was so mainstream and like everyone was talking about her but yeah they were talking about her music but it was mostly about her personal life and then we had lover where she i don't know if you feel this way but i definitely don't think she was as mainstream and I don't feel like people were talking about her really that much um yeah I definitely feel that and I know that she felt that too I think and they just like straight up weren't talking about her whether it be her personal life or music but then to come out I will say they were talking about her but just negatively with you need to calm down yeah so yeah we covered this in our lover episode she had the two falters which was everybody talking shit about making me the lead single and then Mm -hmm. the you need to calm down stuff about her uh, i don't even know yeah well my point about all of this which is becoming very unclear is that in the lover era people were just i feel like her fans were paying attention to her maybe like casual listeners pop culture people but like not the general public i don't think we're paying attention to her very much whereas with 1989 they were but for all the wrong reasons and then juxtapose that with folklore where i feel like she's yet again very much mainstream very much being paid attention to by the general public like Everyone knows folklore. I feel like most people have listened to it, or at least one song. So we have the other side of that, where now the general public is focusing on her work and her music rather than her personal life, if that makes any sense. I know I've seen multiple instances of people who just latched on to folklore who are like, wait, she has a boyfriend. Like, I feel like people don't even know. People don't mm-hmm. care. It's really nice. So Yeah, so I just kind of like that juxtaposition with Lover kind of being a weird, like, dip, I guess. But, yeah. Maybe now we can talk about the Yeah, we can talk about William, William Bowery. Bowery thing, which, like, we take it back. There was some aspect of her personal <laughs> yeah. life that were covered because we had William Bowery. 
if you all remember, when Taylor first announced Folklore and she listed out all the people who she worked with on it, there was a name, William Bowery, and once people started digging, they realized, hey, wait a second, this guy doesn't actually exist. But who is William Bowery? And eventually, we know, Taylor revealed him to be her boyfriend, Joe, during the Long Pond studio sessions for Folklore in November, was it, of last yeah. year? So that was interesting. What are your thoughts about that? Yeah, I think that definitely is PR in some way. <laughs> or, I don't know. I'm kind of split between it. I think it is PR to tie in a little bit of her personal life, but at the same time, I don't know if that was supposed to be real-life folklore. Yeah. Kind of like I also believe her dropping it the day of was also supposed to be folklore. Because people are going to be like, oh, I remember when Taylor Swift, she dropped Mm -hmm. an album and it came out that night. Like, I think that was supposed to be folklore as well. Yeah. So I think in a way, William Bowery, like, oh, do you know William Bowery? You know, blah, blah, blah. Oh, it could be this person. It could be this person. Mm -hmm. I think that was also supposed to be folklore in a way. Yeah. And I do think it's kind of interesting, I guess, that's a word I would use to describe it. Where, okay, this album seems to be Taylor's way of really separating her personal life from her work as an artist. But then, yeah, she has her boyfriend working on the album. It's just kind of a interesting, like I said, thing. But at the same time, I almost wonder if it's like, okay, now that we actually have been together for a long time, I'm not afraid to associate with my boyfriend and have him work with me. Like, that shouldn't be a big deal because it's really not. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I think she has been burned so many times. And like I said with the Ginny and Georgia tweet just recently, we know she's still very scarred. And she said it in a Zane Lowe interview as well. She said she's very triggered and scarred by her coverage in the media when it comes to the people that she was dating. So, yeah, I can totally believe that she was like, you know, we've been together for a solid amount of time. I think it's okay if I start mentioning him a little bit here and there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she revealed that in the Long Pond studio sessions, which was on Disney+, and it came out in November. And that's, I think, another aspect of folklore that's just kind of important to touch on because to me that really breathed new life into the album definitely and I think seeing her perform the songs and explain them and she didn't explain all of them but she explained a lot of them that really took it to a whole other level in my opinion yeah that was a really good moment in the era as well I really liked the Long Pond sessions, and like you said, I always love to hear Taylor explain her music and her thought process behind her writing. Yeah, and it just kind of, yeah, it gave the songs a new life to me, because some of the songs that maybe, I don't know, there's not a song I dislike on Folklore, but I'm trying to think of a specific example. I think with My Tears Ricochet... That's actually a good example. I liked that song. I had nothing against it. Uh, I just didn't really listen to it. I didn't connect with it that much. But then once Taylor gave her explanation of it, 
it just really took it, like I said, to a different level for me because it was such a in-depth interpretation of it and just what it meant to her, I guess, and you could really just apply it to so many different situations. And I think that's also part of why folklore connects with so many people is that the songs are so layered and they could be interpreted in so many different ways in such a way that they apply to so many different people. Yeah. And then we should mention that in March, Folklore won Album of the Year, becoming Taylor's third Album of the Year Mm -hmm. win. Yes, and that was an exciting moment because, like I said, it was kind of just a satisfying thing as a fan of Taylor to see her get awarded for this album that I think we all knew she would put out one day. Um, So that was really just a fun moment and I remember watching the Grammys a few months ago and we were very excited to see her win. And her performance was so good too. Yes. So it definitely kind of came full circle in that moment. Yeah, it really did. That was like a good full circle moment to cover, to um, kind of end that chapter maybe. Yeah, and then I mean we can't really end the folklore episode without talking about Evermore just for a few seconds because I was blown away by Folklore's announcement. I (laughs) was not expecting that. I was completely shocked and it was so exciting. I couldn't believe it was happening. And then a few months later in December, I wake up again And then I see that Taylor has another surprise album called Evermore. And that was probably even more shocking than Folklore, honestly. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. And it was just a continuation of Folklore, essentially. A sister album, if you will. And it just kind of had the same impact. Well, it didn't have as much impact. Oh, no, it had nowhere near as much of a cultural impact at all. But it was definitely a continuation of the idea that Taylor would be writing songs about other people, about fictional stories, and yeah, the music, the vibe, the lyrics, pretty similar to folklore. Uh, Some people like it better, some people like it less. (laughs) I don't really know where I stand on that. We still have to do our ranking episode. Yeah, truly, like maybe this can be the way to end it. Do you like Folklore or Evermore better? Mm, I don't know, honestly. It's so hard. <laughs> I think I would lean toward Folklore, if only for the... Just, like... Nostalgia. Yeah, just the whole thing. Package. Yeah, the whole package of everything, and when it came out, and what it means... To me, I guess, um, Evermore doesn't really have that same punch for me. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't really have as much of a, an emotional connection to it. It came out at a weird time, too, because it was, like, right before Christmas. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Oh, that's a funny thing, too. I remember when Folklore first came out, for some reason we were terrified we were going to hate it. Oh, Yeah. We were like, this is going to suck. We're going to hate it. It's going to be awful. (laughs) 
And I think we were just, like, lowering our expectations (laughs) so that no matter what, they'd be exceeded, which, of course, they were. Um, But anyway, yeah, so a year out from folklore, here we are. Do we want to end on this Rob Sheffield quote? I really like it. Okay, we're going to end on this Rob Sheffield quote. Um, He is a writer for Rolling Stone, and he uh, does all of the Taylor reviews for them. This is from his review of Folklore last year. The world was in the middle of the cruelest summer ever, just staggering through late July, when Taylor Swift decided to make it all so much messier, her specialty. All right, thanks for listening to Our American Queen. You can follow us on Instagram at Our American Queen Pod, on Twitter at Our American Queen Pod, and you can email us at ouramericanqueenpod at gmail.com. We hope you have a great day. Enjoy the one-year anniversary of folklore, and we'll see you next time. See you next time.